everyone, it's Daniel Elwood, and Robert Paul Johnson is my co-host, and we are The Last Nighters. You can find us on the last night or lastnighters.com and also on the Livery Movement's YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to be doing Law Abiding Citizen tonight, and this is episode 181 of the show. You can find the show notes more at lastnighters.com slash 181. We did a little bit of pre-show bonus content available for Patreon supporters. Go to lastnighters.com slash Patreon for that. And uh, we're going to be talking about this movie tonight, starring Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx, uh, with our buddy who was on... Uh, I want to say it was September of last year for Gentleman Broncos. Now, this movie apparently was a bit of a troll for <laughs> for him to come on and, and talk about it. Uh, Gentleman Broncos, that is. But the episode turned out actually pretty good. Uh, I think mostly because Robert, my co-host, wasn't there. Uh, but uh, we had a good discussion. And then Robert came on and did a bonus uh, discussion covering some of the things that he had wanted to say had he been on, only to lament that we had already said most of the things that he was going to say. So. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. And our guest is Ben. He otherwise is known as Dirty J. So welcome back to the show, Ben Dirty J. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, for coming back on and, and being willing to join us yet again. I know that uh, the first time through was a little bit rough. Robert shied away. He didn't want any part of it. Um, I don't know if it was something he was offended by you or he didn't like the movie. I don't know. But uh, I, I did coerce him into showing up tonight. So. That was probably me. I have that effect on people. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Ben, you were a, you were a listener of ours. And, and so you were throwing suggestions, suggestions our way, uh, way back when, and that's why we did gentlemen Broncos. And then, um, gosh, it's probably been two, three months ago. You suggested this movie and I was, I had booked us up, um, probably in February up through about mid June. And so I was like, well, that's a great suggestion. Uh, how about mid June? <laughs> so, so it's finally here. Uh, and uh, I think this will be a good one. I, I like the premise of this movie and uh, not necessarily the execution, which we will get into a little bit. Uh, and I think you placed a bet early on that you thought Robert might give this a higher score than me. So we'll see how that one pans out as we uh, as we get into this one. But how we start off is with the Google description. So um, while I'm doing that, actually, is there anything you want to uh, plug or mention or, or give a little brief bio on yourself? Uh, oof, uh, no, I mean, nothing I could think of. I mean, I think I gave a little bit of a bio last time I was on and I'm, I'm not really involved in anything special at the moment to plug. Uh, other than being our guest, that's special enough. Other than, <laughs> other than being a faith, faithful listener. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. We need, we need more of you. All right. So, uh, this is of course, law abiding citizen came out in 2009 directed by F Gary Gray. He also directed, uh, Friday and straight out of Compton, among other films and music videos. The uh, IMDb is 7.4 out of 10, 26% Rotten Tomatoes, 4.4 out of 5 on the old Voodoo, and 90% of Google users like it. And the description reads, Clyde Shelton, played by Gerard Butler, is an honorable family man until the day his wife and daughter are murdered in a home invasion. He hopes for justice, but a rising prosecutor named Nick Rice, played by Jamie Foxx, cuts a deal with one of the killers in exchange for testimony. Ten years later, that man is found dead, and Shelton coolly admits his guilt. Then he hands Rice an ultimatum. Fix the broken legal system or suffer the consequences. Came out October 16, 2009. Directed F. Gary Grave, as I said earlier. Box office of $127.9 million. And Robert, I'll go to you for your opening salvo. Yeah, that intro... That description kind of makes it sound like Gerard Butler was asking Jamie Foxx himself personally to fix the entire legal system all by himself somehow, which I don't think is what Jerry Butler was trying to get him to do. I think what he was trying to get him to do was to behave in a more straightforward manner, to care more about justice and less about his you know, conviction rate. Uh, he was more interested in people acting upright and forthwith than in getting, you know, working the angles and bureaucracies and this kind of crap. Um, he was more interested in making a point to the judge, to Jamie Foxx, to everybody. He was trying to show everyone that this shit is fucked up and that, that, human beings need to, to act along according to a, a, like a moral code in that sense, as opposed to 
you know, following the rules of the law to the letter or whatnot, or even working within the system and getting like kickbacks and slap hands and, you know, that kind of crap. Um, it's a fun revenge story movie in a not in a not, it's a kind of a, um, you know, it's a not conventional revenge story. Like you, you're following Jerry Butler and you're at first you're rooting for him. And then he's crossing some lines and you're like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here, buddy. Like, I, I want to root for you, but then I'm like, no, you are, you've turned into a monster. Um, and it's funny how the protagonist goes from being Jerry Butler to being Jamie Foxx at some point in the middle. And I guess that, that line might be different for every viewer. So when he initially kills the two murderers, I think most of the audience is on board, even though he kills them in a fairly gruesome way. People are still like, yeah, he's kind of acting with justice in mind there. But then when he goes on to kill all these other people in the, in the interest of just making a point, you're like, well, you're killing innocent people. I mean, you can debate on how innocent they are, but you're killing people you know, in a disproportionate level, right? Like they're probably guilty of some kind of crime, moral or ethical crime, but they don't deserve to be killed for it. And especially not to make your point, which is it's debatable on whether or not it even is going to have any kind of effect. I mean, maybe Jamie Foxx at the very end is like, okay, I'm going to be more of a going after the bad guy, no matter what kind of a person. And that's about it. That's the entire effect of the Jerry Butler's crusade is to change one guy's opinion. And maybe he thinks that that is a win for him. And maybe it is. And that's, I think that's up to every viewer as to whether that's a win for Jerry Butler or not. But I, I had a really good time with this film. Um, I enjoyed the, the strategic aspects of it. The, the, you're you're messing with one very very dedicated man that has absolutely nothing to learn lose and who is super genius and who has 10 years of time to prepare now i i think we could debate whether or not uh you know all this preparation time is is really going to be as effective as the movie portrays it so he Jerry Butler has 10 years to prepare and he's thinking about all these possibilities of the, the the effects of his plan. Right. And so he's got all these places, pieces in place. Right. And it kind of relies on, you know, Jamie Foxx doing predictable things. So he goes to a house and then there's a picture of the news clipping and that was put there by Jerry Butler or whatever. And you're like, okay, maybe he's going to go there. Maybe he's going to see that. But maybe the character wouldn't have done that at all. Maybe if it's a real life person, they're not going to do that at all. And you would have to, what I'm trying to say is, is that Jerry Butler, despite him being super genius, he's not going to have all that information, all the changing information over time that human beings change over time. And it's, it's a real kind of, you know, he's portrayed as the super genius when in effect, nobody's really that smart. So, you really have to kind of go on a ride and kind of have some suspension of disbelief that this guy is just so smart and he's got everything in place perfectly, even though chances are not because everything goes right for him. Right. Until the very, very end when Fox finds his property with the secret passageway and stuff like that. Uh, chances are a whole lot of more stuff is going to go wrong that he just can't foresee because one human, even though you're a super genius, you're just not going to be able to foresee because all the moving parts. So, right. and that's, that's a thing of economics that we talk about a lot. It's, but you know, it's, it's still a fun ride. I enjoyed the, the revenge angle and then the revenge, you know, turning into a monster because he is just committed. He is a committed, but I enjoy the fact that he's a villain that has a relatable point of view taken to an extreme. And those are the best villains. So this was a lot of fun. Um, I got a couple quibbles, but overall, man, I, I, yeah, I recommend this film. It's great. All right, Ben. It looks like you're right that, that Robert does like this one and uh, probably liked it more than I did. And I actually enjoyed the film. Uh, and I wonder if 
Ben, as a listener, you've probably heard Robert talk about uh, he likes revenge movies. This is and true. He, he likes to have relatable characters, and you've got that yeah, in spades <laughs> here. So maybe that's the tell. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that uh, Robert, to your point about him, there's no way that he could have planned this level of intricacy and this level of detail uh, without something happening, derailing those plans. And I think you're right. And I think your point is related to the concept of central planning. Now, normally, you know, central planning is related to like somebody trying to plan an economy and, and not somebody making plans for their own property and what they plan to do. But even in that, you know, you're always adapting. Entrepreneurs are always adapting to changing conditions and things like that. So even even on the uh, individual scale, uh, there's really no way that you can plan out uh, that level of detail. Maybe you can plan out like longer arcs, like I want to tend, trend this direction and here's my goal, but it's going to be like a zigzaggy path getting there. And you're going to encounter obstacles and overcome them and kind of, you know, change your plan a little bit, but still maintain the, the you know, what your end goal, your end state is. Uh, but this one relies on everything going exactly like even to the cell he gets confined in in solitary must be not occupied already and must be the very one that that he has selected uh, with his property that he purchased across the street from from that. So anyway, I think it's uh, it's an interesting premise. And uh, to your point about, you know, what lesson is is he really committing to here? I, I think at the end, yeah, it really is just convincing the one guy. But it almost starts off as he's putting the system on trial, like like the system is what the problem is. Uh, and at the end, it really doesn't seem like it's the system per se. Maybe maybe the incentives in the system, the way he sees it, it lends itself to these lazy people who are focused more on the numbers and not on truly pursuing justice. So, you know, trying to boost their stats and get, you know, higher positions of power, gain notoriety, things like that. When really, uh, as anarchists, and I speak for, for Robert and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Dirty J, you are as well. Uh, we would prefer a legal system that is not monopolized uh, in that there would be a, a, a what's, the, what's the right term for it? It's a polycentric law. So it, it's, it would be, you know, arbitration and, and uh, third parties making decisions and, and judgments based on their uh, track record of, of doing good work in that and, and specializing in those things uh, versus this sort of machinery type system that exists now where they just procedurally go through these steps um, almost in a rote fashion, uh, totally divesting from the intent behind them. And, and of course, they overstep all these supposed protections constantly all the time. And, and we see that example when uh, she signs off on this warrant that's clearly uh, not legal, but she's like, well, I'm willing to take a flyer on it. And then, um, he kills her with the cell phone gun, which that, that, that was, I think the turn, right. That was when Jerry goes from being the sympathetic wronged guy to being the stone cold monster, at least for me. Really? So you were okay with him killing the, the attorney? Uh, well, so yeah. Okay. The guy was a sleaze. You tell me. You tell me, man. (laughs) The guy was a sleaze, and he, it it was sort of a, um, it was like a a, one of those dominance things. Like you will respect my timeline, or there will be consequences. So it was like a lesson for them in dealing with him, negotiating style. Uh, But yeah, it was. He was. He was a bad guy there. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, Dirty J, you want to jump in on this, um, on anything we've discussed so far? Or, or what um, What was the thing about this that was like, all right, here's why I want to do this? Well, first of all, uh, the reason I, I, I love this movie so much is, uh, is uh, the description doesn't really give it justice. The way I see it is this movie is a live action depiction of every dude's ultimate revenge fantasy. I mean, when you think about it, how how, how many times have you thought, like thought of yourself in a hypothetical situation? Like you see somebody getting wronged, like uh, like somebody murders their kid or something, and then you know you see it actually happen on the news, and you're like, oh, if I was that dad, I'd, I'd kidnap that guy and torture him to death, and you know you know things like that. I mean, we've all probably thought of ourselves in those hypothetical situations, and uh, this speak, movie is basically for yourself, buddy. Well, I'm, I'm, okay, maybe not then. I don't know. I mean, it just, it just seems like a normal thing to think people think about. But, but I'm just uh, this to movie was basically from, from any allegations here. <laughs> ah, fair enough. 
But uh, this movie is basically a live action depiction of that in the best case scenario. Because I mean, any of us, if we were in that situation, we wouldn't have the resources, the knowledge, and the skill to do what he did. So, like that, that's why the movie's so far fetched. I think. So, I mean, yeah, nobody's that smart, knowledgeable, and has that much foresight to make all this stuff happen and have it go perfectly. Without a hitch, of course, all the way up until the end where they find the bomb and they put it under his bed and, you know, to teach him a lesson. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's why I liked it. I mean, yeah, it, like I said, it's, the movie's far-fetched. There's some suspension of disbelief and everything, but I, I just love the premise of it. Like, this guy just goes and destroys Now, of course, no. <clears throat> yeah, there, there is a point where he does go too far. You know, back when I first saw it, you know, I wasn't libertarian-minded or anything. I was just, like, cheering this guy on the whole way, and I didn't even see him as a villain. I kind of still don't, actually. <laughs> totally. But, yeah, at some point, he does go too far, because obviously, when you're wronged, you you are... You're, you're I guess, entitled to getting, like... I, I, like eh. Basically, when somebody does wrong in you, you are justified in uh, getting compensated however you see fit, like, like, like justice. Like, like seeking justice, however you see it, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, and and that's something that the legal system doesn't do. Currently, the legal system just it, it's it, it's more focused on punishing criminals than it is dishing out actual justice. Because in most situations these days, yes, criminals are going to be punished, but there's no justice. There's no some kind of closure for the actual victims in most cases. So. That's kind of why I feel like Gerard Butler did what he did in this case. It's like, yeah, the criminal was punished. The one guy got death row. The other guy served the state mandated, what, 10, like, uh, how, how long was he in prison? Like six years or something like that. It wasn't very long because of the whole plea deal. Now, to the state, that's justice. Wide, it was not. Right. So I think up, up until what he did to the two people, what he did to those guys, completely justified. Like, I don't think anybody would argue that. Like, however, he wanted to deal with that situation, those two guys being the one that aggressed upon him and ruined his life. And it's. Yeah, yeah I you, think he was justified. I think there is a little bit of a difference in the culpability of the two criminals, though. And and they sort of play this up where the one who actually did the the more egregious acts was the one who turned turned witness against the other guy and got that guy on death row when he just seemed to be in on the home invasion end of it. And then when it went beyond that, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, so he wasn't really there for the the raping and the murdering and, and all that. Uh, granted, he was present during the committing of a felony. Uh, so I don't have too much sympathy for him, but it, it definitely was the other guy who was the more egregious actor. And he's the one who, in, in that view, would have deserved the more severe punishment. And the injustice in that was that because he was willing to turn against the guy and the state complied with or offered him a deal, that's what pissed Clyde off. Oh, absolutely. Right. Now, it's uh, see, I feel like, I mean, in a way, the way he did get his revenge on, on the two attackers, I mean, the one guy he swapped out the chemical and he did die a horrible death, but it was over in a matter of a couple of minutes. And what he did to Darby... In the warehouse, <laughs> I'm sure that was way worse. Yeah, this is adrenaline. They made it. The, yeah, despite how, out. <laughs> yeah, despite how bad they made the, the injection chair look in the beginning, like I, I think that that was that didn't hold a candle to what he did to Darby at all. So I feel like there's some, even in his own vision of what justice is for the people that wronged him, I think he did dole it out rather equitably. You know, he gave the guy that didn't commit. The, the actual horrible crimes he, he he let him get off light comparatively right though not as light as he right. otherwise might have i mean he was still being put to death but he just threw like a you know two minutes of suffering in there yeah yeah i found it kind of interesting that that they uh that they investigated that like it was um I mean, I get it you know like that wasn't supposed to be what was to happen so they'd want to look into it but as as like a viewer, you're like, well, they were killing the guy anyway. <laughs> right. But it is messing with their system, and that's something they don't tolerate, right? Somebody has tampered with this, so they probably should investigate something. Maybe if it had happened in some other movie, they would have just been like, eh, he's dead. Kiss closed. But in this film, 
Yeah, well, in, in this film, uh, you know, Clyde also made very sure to leave some evidence with that little catchphrase, uh, you can't fight fate. You know, he left that at the scene of the crime. So maybe if that weren't there, then maybe they would have been like, oh, well, got some some chemical wrong, but oh, well, he's dead. But since they found that, that we, there's a little breadcrumb that led yeah. them where he wanted them to go. Yeah, he wanted to have them go after Darby, and then he could get Darby to do the escape thing, and then he wanted Darby to get found, dismembered. Like, all of these wheels had been turning for, for a long, long time to get this all to go into motion. And it's revealed, you know, partway through that this guy is actually like an elite government agent. And maybe that's when he becomes the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, really. He's like a CIA killer. He's probably been a bad guy the whole time. Yeah, but it makes me kind of, like, wonder... If he's this badass um, killer guy, what's he doing having a wife and a kid? I mean, isn't that like one of those things that one would think you don't want to have any attachments if you're going to be in that elite level? And also, you wouldn't just like open your front door and get bashed in the head by a baseball bat. Hmm. You'd think so. Yeah, maybe not. Did they say he was retired or that there was something he did formerly or did they mention him still being actively part of that? I can't remember. I feel feel like that would have. So like like he used to be this guy. Yeah, it was probably past tensey. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I, I I can't imagine that he was still doing that for the ten years. They said that he had a bunch of patents and that he was uh, moderately wealthy as a result of that, uh, and had bought all of this property under various uh, corporations and and uh, entities in other countries and jurisdictions that made it very difficult for them to do the paper trail and find his property. That pissed me off. But um, <laughs> that you even have to do all this paperwork and filing and, and divulging of information so that they can, you know, paper trail somebody like it should be nobody's fucking business. Um, and, and they, uh, you know, they try to do this like workaround thing by getting somebody to sort of cheat the rules a little bit and give up the, um, what was it? The expense account, uh, and the dollar amounts spent in the expense account. Like, like you're going to buy a fucking building on an expense account. That seems a little <laughs> like, Oh yes, I, I had a business lunch and I bought a warehouse. Yeah, hey, you never know. Now, Daniel, what did you think about Gerard Butler's point in this movie? Did you think he had a, a really solid point up until the point at which he was, you know, killing a whole bunch of people? Uh, but did you think that, you know, Jamie Foxx should have not made a deal? And that, you know, so his Jamie Foxx's idea is that, you know, something better than no justice. And he's a competent lawyer guy and he knows the system and he's going to make a deal in order to get some kind of conviction. Whereas Butler's idea is no, 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 no. We go after them honestly and straightforwardly. And if we get the conviction, great. And if we don't, then we tried. Yeah. Um, I think to that point, he did want the seeking of justice to take the paramount importance versus the, let's play, let's, let's do a layup, you know, let's play it safe and, and make sure that our numbers are good. Let's make sure we get something over nothing. Whereas he's like, no, I've been ultimately wronged. My child and my wife were murdered by two men uh, who attacked and stabbed me. I mean, and I know who they are, you know? So it's like, it's not like it's some mystery who committed these acts. He knows who they are. And so I can see knowing that information and knowing that, this guy is going to look for his numbers over actually going after them and, you know, as ferociously as possible within the confines of a monopolized legal system, which has all sorts of flaws. Um, it's a matter of strategy, I, I would imagine. And because he was, well, it's not like he's the client, right? It's funny it? because Gerard Butler's the master of strategy, but in this case, he doesn't appreciate Jamie Foxx's strategy. Right. Right. But it's also not like, Gerard Butler's necessarily the client here, right? Like it's the state versus right. the state versus Darby. the guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like Jamie Foxx is hired by Gerard Butler and, and thus acts in a capacity to um, carry out his wishes, you know, like a, right. what do you call that? A, a fiduciary? No, not a fiduciary, but like there's an obligation to carry out your wishes of the client there's a relationship, some term about that. Fuck, I'm an idiot. But it it is not that relationship. It is merely an advisory capacity, perhaps, that he's even talking to Jerry 300 about this thing. 
Right. So in your in your mind, you were okay with both of their actions, right? Uh, Jamie Fox doing the um, doing the deal. Yeah. Well, because I, as an audience member, I know that Darby's the dirty one, and I know that, but but Jamie Fox doesn't know that, right? So he probably knows that, like like you said, it's not what you know; it's what you can prove. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, it makes sense, but I also like the idea of, you know, you're going to go for it. You got to like lay it all out there, especially if it's something that important. And, and, and that's the other thing that's sort of, um, there's a disparity in the subjective value of this whole situation. Who's been affected more? Has the state been affected more or has Jerry been affected more? Obviously Jerry has. The state is just like kind of going through the motions. Oh, we got to show that we have a society here that's built on law and order and there's consequences for bad behavior. And we want to get our conviction rate up so that our guys can get promoted and shit like that. It's interesting because this kind of thing happens all the time. This, um, you know, charging somebody with a lesser crime that you know you can prove, you know that they're guilty of kind of like convicting Al Capone of tax evasion or whatever even though you know he's committed all kinds of murders and whatnot, but you can't prove those ones. So like, like with the Derek Chauvin trial, there was a lot of concern among people that he was being convicted of charged with like second degree murder and third degree murder. When it's like the standards of meeting those requirements were very, very high. So you're like, well, we're not going to get any kind of just, he's going to get let off on those. Absolutely. So there's a lot of, you know, inclination to charge him with a lesser crime to get some justice as opposed to no justice. Even though I think, I mean, not to get into that trial, but this kind of thing happens constantly in the legal system. They don't go for justice. They just try to get some kind of charge on people, get them into the system. It's, it is really kind of perverse and you're right, Dirty J. It's not about justice (laughs) for the aggrieved. It's about punishing the criminal but it's it's like barely punishing the criminal it's like get them on the least the most likely charge we can get a conviction on that's what we'll go for even if they're we think they're really guilty of these other things too or this other thing too right and and then the punishment is put him into uh prison university where he can learn to be a better criminal because he's going to get out in five years and be a bigger piece of shit (laughs) But um, to your point, Robert, where they're doing this undercharging so that they can focus on what what they can prove or what they can actually get to stick, I think that's for the subset, the very minority of cases that actually go to trial versus the other end of the spectrum, the flip side of that coin, where they layer and layer and layer on charges, trumped up, it doesn't matter. They just put a stack of them on you and go, all right, I can make half of this go away if you sign this plea deal. Yep. And they get all sorts of people all. not even getting a trial. Yeah, the vast majority of cases are plead that way. Absolutely, right. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of these tactics, like the one where you, where you just mentioned, where stacking stacking all these charges one on top of the other, getting people to sign plea deals, all all these tactics they use are more than enough by themselves an argument for a more privatized legal system. You know, among a lot of other things. Uh, and you know, back back on the the whole thing of whether Gerard Clyde uh, Clyde was uh, had good intentions for what he was doing. You know, looking at it more through the lens of an ANCAP libertarian, it seems um, it, it seems he he's, he he uh, wanted to do basically what I guess uh, you could compare him to like modern Republicans in that regard. He he wanted to fix this system. He wanted to keep the system. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to fix it, whereas the the, the I mean, it, all all you're doing is you're, you're you're just keeping this power structure, this system intact, like, and there, there's nothing you can do to fix it. You know, he he wasn't looking at it through like a oh we need to just pull the rug out from under the whole thing. No, he was looking at it like I can fix this. Now, if if they would have went further with this movie and showed well, they did show a little bit of what happened afterwards. You know, they showed. Uh, Jamie Fox, Nick, he was at his daughter's piano recital and everything, but it didn't show really whether or not anything was fixed, which it it, it couldn't have been. Because yeah. I mean, when 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 you think about it, it's uh, 
here's what would have happened in reality. Like, say this actually happened today. Some dude did all the stuff that Clyde did, you know, and even if he succeeded in like blowing up City Hall and everything at the end, like everything went perfectly smooth. That that wouldn't fix the system. That would actually do the opposite. It, it would continue the system, but there would just be more measures put in place mm-hmm. that would be a burden on the rest of us. Yeah, it you would, know? Em- I mean, it would empower the system even more so because it's been attacked. Exactly. I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, look what happened with the January sixth insurrection. You know, where a bunch bunch of freaking like trailer park people went in and kicked their feet up on some desks and then left and then Congress reconvened that same night, you know, oh, but it was an insurrection, unarmed people, by the way, you know, but then now they're talking about making a, a January 6th commission and all that other stuff. It's like, oh, well, yeah, or, you know, talking about putting more legislation out there that's going to further infringe on us. Yeah, because you know, we, we got we to protect this institution and everything from stuff like that. So that's realistically what I think happened post what what Gerard or Clyde did in the movie. Yeah, I think you know, I, I don't I think, think I don't think really I, mean, I think maybe Jamie Foxx maybe personally might have learned something from that but that's about it. Yeah, Jamie Foxx had like a, a moment of personal growth like okay, I'm not going to just like do these layups anymore. I'm actually going to go for justice as I can and on top of that I'm also going to be there for my family. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yep. That's really about all all he took away from it but Everything yeah. else, well, they didn't show what happened, but I imagine there was a, a lot of legislation passed after that. Well, I, I think that uh, 300's point wasn't necessarily to change the structure of the system itself, but how the actors within it perceive it and approach it and utilize it. Right. Yeah. He's also, uh, uh, one thing I like about the Jerry Butler character I mean, he's not a perfect character, which I'm glad he's not. Good protagonists are never like perfect characters one way or the other. They're complex. And this guy, he's a bit conflicted because on the one hand, he's very principled. And he's like, no, 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 we seek justice. This is what we do. This is the principle of justice. Jamie Foxx, you got to be just a laser arrow right on, targeted in on justice. And you got to be a straight shooter and you got to do what you say and would be a straight, right, correct dealer. Right. But then he's a very, on the other hand, he's a very pragmatic ends justify the means guy. Like he's just murdering people that never did anything to him. Destroying property that, you know, he doesn't own that isn't owned by anybody that did anything to him. He's a, he's a little bit, I mean, he's just like a, He's 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 con- he's con- he's contradicting himself in that sense, right? Like he's creating injustice, and, and that's a one line in the movie I think that the Jamie Fox makes that he's becoming, you know, the thing that they're fighting, or he's doing the things that you're creating. You know, you're killing people, and that's what happened to your family. That's that's what made you upset. You're just creating more of yourselves, more angry, sad, aggrieved people that now have. Uh, a right to seek justice against you now. And, and in some sense, he's like, yeah, they have every right to seek justice against me. That's what they should be upset about. Like it, the the one court scene where he's like dressing down the judge. I love that one. She was, she was <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no prior charges. Uh, maybe we should let this guy go. And he's like, are you kidding me? I'm on charge for murdering two people. You're just gonna let me walk out of here because I said some magic words. What? Yeah, though I think I felt his points were actually pretty good. I mean, I don't know if there's any anything to the case that he mentioned, but yeah, I mean they did not have any direct evidence, um, right? You know, and and you do have rights. You are presumed innocent until proven otherwise. In theory, though, I don't know if that is uh, in practice these days. But uh, right, and they were just playing into his hands to putting him in jail, which is where exactly where he wanted to be. Which right. is like one of my favorite lines in the movie was. We convince the other guy he's making all the right moves. That's the the brilliant tactician that he is. That yeah, the Sun Tzu. They're playing right into your hands by doing everything you expect them to do. So yeah, it. I I, I really appreciated that that he had the foresight. You know, even though it's fairly unrealistic for him to be able to predict all their whatevers, but y- you can look at a system and go, okay, they're going to probably lock me up in this jail. And then if I kill my cellmate, they're probably going to be locking me up in solitary because I can't be trusted around people. And I think 
I think, didn't he have a tunnel that was tunneled to all the solitary cells? Isn't that I right? The very, so. I, did I miss, is that right about that? that? I think, it, I think there was, I think there was a one big tunnel and then it led, there was like a, a ladder leading up to each of the individual cells or something like that. Okay. All right. So it didn't matter which one he was in then as long, but they did need to put him into some solitary cell though, but he was oh, yeah. pretty much sure that he could by stabbing some rando dude that, you know, they're going to throw them down there. And that relies on them doing that. If he, if they didn't, then the whole plot of the movie is thrown into whatever, you know, if they just decide to keep him there or if they, they transfer him to another prison, which happens yeah. all the time. Mm. You know, you well, just, I mean, some, some of these things we have to forgive. Like they had to script a movie and shoot a movie. So they can't like, Oh damn. Right. He got sent to another prison. I guess the movie's over. Movie's over. <laughs> Pack it up. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at myself in that situation. And even assuming I had some of his skills and abilities and everything, uh, the movie, <laughs> if I was in it, it might've ended at that court scene except i wouldn't have sat there and you know told the judge like are, are you kidding you're just gonna let me go out i've just been like yeah, yeah just, just let me go I, I wouldn't have done the whole thing where i kidnapped the other lawyer and leave him in a little bury him alive with an oxygen i would have just been like yeah i'll give you a confession in exchange for something stupid like a bet or something and then you know go to my court case and they're like oh yeah he promised a confession well did he give it oh well then we have no choice but to let him go and i just walk out and just give him a nod like hmm, what's up bud Peace. And that would have been the end of the movie for me because at that point I'd already got, gotten revenge on the two actual people that I had a gripe right. with. Right, and you would have realized the futility in whatever plan he had and its ability to affect change. Oh, well, yeah, that too. And I, I mean, also, I mean, I mean, how, how actually guilty could you consider everybody else in that whole s- system like, like like the lawyer that was representing darby names or whatever you know i mean was, was he kind of a scumbag yeah i mean i mean the judge too i mean you know i mean yeah they're all complicit in what happened but are they really directly guilty of the bad shit that happened to him personally like no not really like and if there's one person even if you do kind of feel that he, he was justified in killing like the judge and the, the lawyer for the Darby's lawyer and everything. Even if you feel those are justified, you got to at least look at, uh, what was her name? That, that little blonde chick, uh, the research assistant lady. Yes. Yeah. Sarah, she, I don't, she wasn't even in the movie in the beginning. So she, back when that happened, she was probably still in like, like, like high school or just going into law school or something. Now fast forward, you know, she ends up blowing up in her car because of yeah. Gerard. Butler's yeah. Revenge. At one point she tells her, tells everyone she's 35 and that she gave up her, her family life for her career life. So yeah, she was 25 when it all happened. Okay. Yeah. So she's still just, very well. Could have been in law school still then probably right. not even. I think yeah. she's in, she's, she in, a, no she's in an early scene there where um, he vouches for her, says, why don't you let her handle this? And the, the lead prosecutor is like, well, if she fucks it up, it's your ass. Okay. So she was there. Wait, wait, was that, was, that was before the whole 10 That's years. When she was like researching, right? Right. Yeah. That was the early on scene that was the 10 years prior she wasn't necessarily related to the darty case but she was like on his team oh okay he's just killing people i just didn't remember seeing her at all in that early part hmm. she was 10 years younger you know hard to recognize her yeah i mean out of all those people she was clearly the least guilty of anything so i mean even even the most hardcore person who's like yeah kill them all they, even they got to look at that and be like, Eesh, come on, man. Well, didn't they, didn't they, he blow up like five or six cars and kill five or six people in that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah there's... Some <laughs> characters we didn't even get to meet really. And then the, the yeah. other older prosecutor guy or whatever. Right. The funeral. I yeah. don't know. I mean, there's a whole lot of murder, but let's, yeah. um, let's talk about a scene that kind of translates well to what's going on today. Hmm. I'm down. At, at one point, the uh, mayor of Philadelphia institutes a citywide lockdown <laughs> wherein nobody can move around unrestricted as if a mayor of a city has that kind of power because some guy is killing a specific number of people. She's going to lock down an entire city of millions of people. What is she going to do? Call in like the National Guard and like 
make sure people don't leave their homes. And just never mind the uh, horrific tyrant immorality of all that. And then just claiming that power. Well, she but we saw it with the governors. This. Yeah. Well, we also saw it in oh. Boston with the Boston Marathon bombing. They did that as well. Um, there was a citywide lockdown in the Boston Marathon? Uh, at least a big portion of the city, yeah. When they were looking well, I remember, for the guys I remember to when get they it. were going house to house. I remember that. And like a lot of people were told to stay in indoors. I don't remember that it was like an enforced thing. Like if you walked outside, there was going to be some cop telling you, get back inside or else. Well, I think when it comes to mayors and stuff, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but maybe there is something to that position where there there's like the emergency powers that they can only enact in the case of, well, an emergency. Like, like you said, with the Boston Marathon bombing, you know, there might have been a lockdown with that. And, movie even though it's fictitious i mean uh, it could have been based on some kind of reality but, uh, yeah they were saying yeah, like, I, I, I didn't i did not make that parallel with the, the modern lockdowns with covid and everything it's like it was like where are they getting that authority now so i mean they they, they have it they're making they take lockdowns it. And, yeah exactly <laughs> that's a good point I did, I did not make that make that connection well i you know you guys know i'm a an anarchist and the at best the uh the mayor would be like some sort of honorary title or something maybe. And at best they could offer a suggestion that, Hey, there's a guy running around killing people. Maybe take, be a little extra precautious. Maybe, uh, maybe stay indoors if you want. That seems like to be the prudent thing to uh, keep your family safe. Yeah. Just uh, instead of just like having armed so troops patrol the streets, making sure people don't leave their houses. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that's likening it to modern day. Yeah, they should just be disseminating the unbiased, unvarnished data and information rather than crafting it in such a way to make it the most scary thing ever uh, using fear to get compliance. Yeah, seems to be what they're doing. Yeah, you know, just just like just like put the situation out there and let the the, the, the grown, critically thinking populace make, make their own decisions and assume whatever risks they want, which they could have done in this movie. I guess they could have been like, hey, there's a maniac that's. Uh, kind of holding our city hostage you know he's killing a bunch of people he's got some axe to grind with us you know uh, so I'd, you know we recommend you take precautions and stay inside if, if you can but we're, we're not going to force you to do that or anything i mean if you want to yeah. you know go out and about do whatever you know same thing that's kind of what they should have done with the whole covid thing like yeah, yeah there's this virus that's got a 99 percent survival rate uh you know wear masks or don't private businesses you know do whatever just everybody do whatever take 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 whatever risks you want well, it, it yeah, just shows it, that they think we're all idiots. And it, well, it shows that they think that they're more important than we are also. This is this is a guy who's specifically targeting government actors. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're tar targeting the gods. So th clearly everybody else is at massive risk too. He could, he could kill one of us, then he's probably going to kill everybody or something like that. It's like, no, he's, he's targeting a specific group of people for a very specific reason. And to equate that to a risk to millions of Philadelphians is ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, that is a bit of a disconnect in this movie because they, they make it sound like the citizens are afraid and they need to be shown that they're still in charge, uh, that, mm -hmm. the, you know, that the city hall is still in charge. But yeah, it doesn't make sense that the population would be freaking out about this because it's not as if 300 was going around doing these random acts that, make a threat to your average person right i mean at, at best uh maybe a, a, an unrelated civilian might have been uh could potentially have been caught in the crossfire mainly in uh the situation at, at the at the cemetery with the 50 cal and the bomb disposal unit i mean yeah stray bullets you gotta think yeah. about that you know straight you bullets and then for sure and then at the end when he was about to blow up city hall well i mean that i'm sure that would have more than a few completely innocent, unrelated bystanders had he actually done that. Yeah. But prior to that, though, all his stuff was targeted, like like the phone gun and the one guy that he had buried alive and everything. You know, that was no real danger to anybody else. Right. Well, but those people, those people do have families and they are affected, even if they aren't government actors themselves. They are yeah. being affected by this violence for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. So any other uh, any other notes before we start getting into some summaries here? 
I'm just curious when the, the, the flipping point was for each of you guys. It sounds like Dirty J was fine with the first two, but then anything after that, he was, now you've turned into the villain, even though I understand you. Is that, is that about correct, Dirty? Yeah, I mean, uh, part, part of me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I still would have hated everybody that had something to do with my case. And I, I might have wanted to kill him at some point, but I'll be like, yeah, it just wouldn't feel right to me. You know, just getting revenge on the two guys, even though it took me about a decade to get it. I find yeah. on the two guys, my, my, my justice on the guys that ruined my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. As long as I can get out of it scot-free, like, you know, just waltz out of the courtroom and not insult the judge, man. Yeah. I'd be golden. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, where are you at? Well, almost to the point of the lawyer who was a sleazeball and obviously knew that his client was guilty, but he has a responsibility to represent his client as best as he can. And, uh, make that deal to get him off after the five or six years that he spent in, in the joint. Um, and I wonder if that scenario, which was, as I was mentioning earlier, like a power play in his negotiations with Jamie Foxx and the warden, like, Hey, you better be timely. Um, because there are going to be consequences. Now they did not know what those consequences were, but he said, you better be on time. And this was, you know, to prove a point that he's not to be fucking fucked around with. Uh, but also, I think maybe in his mind, it sort of absolves him a little bit of the death because he gave them an opportunity. Granted, they weren't aware of the nature of the opportunity and the timeline. Like there wasn't a connection of, hey, you need to be timely. And here's why. But in a way that maybe like transfers some of that guilt he might have felt otherwise to them in some way. But he's also this stone cold government killer, so he, you know, it's probably doesn't matter <laughs> to him uh, as a character. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of okay with the first two, though the the gruesome death of the guy who was like in on the home invasion. I don't know if he should have had the death row thing to begin with. Uh, certainly, the Darby guy was was more culpable and and more like of an irredeemable guy who's obviously gonna do worse shit um going forward and would be a threat to be out amongst other people uh so but dismembering him and keeping him alive throughout the process uh that that oversteps for me a bit i mean he did do horrendous things to his to to sparta's uh you know wife and kid so i don't know man it's a tough one i yeah, it's you almost put yourself that, in his shoes. You want that fucker like, to suffer. How would I feel if you don't really know until that actually happens to you, obviously. Right. right. And I don't even know if like watching this guy suffer, you know, like even if he kept him alive for, you know, hours and hours of torturing him. Okay. Is that cathartic? I mean, wh what have you accomplished really? You know, do you feel better about that? I don't know. Or do you yeah. feel like a fucking monster? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Hmm. I guess it's uh, based on the individual. I mean, uh, I mean, apparently that was what he saw as justice. And I mean, I, I kind of agree with how he carried out his justice. I mean, uh, so some people might have been too harsh. I'm just looking at it. I'm like, that's that's pretty spot on. I mean, I, I don't feel the least bit sorry for either of these two. Like what he did was just perfect. Yeah, beyond that, though, you know, killing all these other lawyers and, you know, the, the young blonde women that had nothing to do with anything. You know, that's just like, yeah. No. Yeah. I did like you, his, you um, over the line. I did like the, the premise or the idea that he was accomplishing all this while behind bars. Mm. But then it's kind of revealed that, oh, he's got the secret tunnels and he can get out and do stuff and then miraculously get back in time where they never know he was gone. So it's like, his the guards watching his cell must have been the Epstein guards. The cameras must not have worked. Whatever you know, malfunction right. both of them. Um, so the when, darkest solitary cell. I mean, right? Not even a light. But but while you're watching the movie, it's almost as if he's pre-planned these things to happen on like dead man switches. Like he doesn't need to do anything. And that premise I thought was cool. Like, okay, I'm in here, and I'm obviously not doing this right guys and all of it's happening because he's so perfectly planned it but no nah, he was sneaking out and doing it so it yeah, lost, at least he was sneaking out after he got put into solitary 
rad right. stuff. But the dead man switch on the the lawyer, he that was all pre-planned, right? Yeah, because he had already kidnapped the... the guy and did the stuff. And that, that was part of the charm for the movie for the movie. Like the first time watching it, if your first time watching this movie, you're like, how? he doing this you know and that, that, that's why i love this movie so much because there are other movies that do this that i i have only watched once and i don't care to watch again like, like an example is uh uh that movie that does something similar it's that one quirky horror movie cabin in the woods you, you guys mm. seen that one right yeah yeah once it's you know yeah, like, okay. yeah like like once you know it's like oh, okay like that was most of the charm of the movie i i literally have only seen that movie once don't care to watch it again law-abiding citizen I've seen it, I don't know how many times. And that's because despite the fact that I know, I just love this movie. I love the theme of it. I, I, I just, I just, yeah, like I can't, I, like, even though I know what's going to happen, it doesn't ruin it for me. I'm just watching it like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you like that revenge aspect, I think. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, what was the movie yeah, we, we did, Robert, that uh, was a Korean uh, revenge film? Um, well, there's I Saw the Devil. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Have you seen yeah, that one, a- Ben? No, right, you might want to check that out. out. That's a fantastic film. I, I saw the devil. I yeah. saw the devil. Okay, it's yeah. good. That's a de- that's another. It's similar in the vein. Like a, a serial killer kills the girlfriend of a guy who's got a certain set of skills. Oh boy! And he takes some serious revenge, and it's very very slow and planned out, and it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and Robert's not Very one for intense. subtitled movies, but he, he likes that one. I like a there's a there's a couple of really talented South Korean uh, directors that uh, make some really fun stuff. Yeah, and we did that one, gosh, probably three or four years ago. So the audio quality won't be as pristine and dulcet as uh, they as it is now. Mm, so sweet, but you can give it a listen. Yes, I will. I'll probably try to find the movie first, and then I'll into that episode. I don't want any spoilers. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Well, we'll put that on the old show notes page, lastnerd.com slash 181. And also, uh, we might do a little Kathleen Turnover Drive after this so people can hit up our Patreon. Go to lastnerd.com slash Patreon for a little bit of that. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to mention is we got a review a while ago, and I didn't read it uh, anytime. So it's from a it's from a while ago, but do you guys mind if I read it now? Daniel, you do you, buddy. All right. Five-star review. Give these gents a try. This is an entertaining and insightful podcast. Listeners get to hang out with two knowledgeable yet unpretentious libertarian hosts and their intriguing guests. Putting concepts through the lens of movies helps to contextualize them in an entertaining way. End quote. So a pretty decent decent review. Thank you for that. Uh, DD90, I think, was uh, how that was and was signed off. DDE90. So thank you for the review. And if you, too, want to give us a review, go on to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever reviews are sold and give us one. And I will try to read it, um, you know, within the two or three months after you've made the review, like I did on this one, because I'm lazy. So good. And so slow. So good. (laughs) All right. Speaking of reviews, why don't we give this thing a score? should we give it car bombs or dismembered body parts? Uh, Exploding cell phones. Exploding <laughs> cell phones. Okay. Exploding All right. So, uh, Dirty J, you want to lead us off with your final summary and review? I, I know you're going to give it a lot of exploding cell phones. You've kind of already tipped your hand. but Yeah, I did. Uh, well, uh, no, no, nothing's really changed, even us picking this movie apart. Uh, I, I still really love this movie. I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to watch it again. Uh, despite the fact that the storyline's a little bit far-fetched. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, once again, it's not going to be the perfect movie. Uh, no movie really is. But out of 10 exploding cell phones, I'm going to give it a solid eight. All right, all right. Not bad, not bad. Uh, Robert, are you going to raise him or, or call him, or are you going to undercut him? you know, lowball him? Well, we'll see about that, Daniel. I have similar feelings as Dirty on this one. It's a, it's a very entertaining revenge power fantasy film, where the and Dirty's right. I, I've I've definitely had this this fantasy before, where you are just the ultimate power, and that all the machinations of the state or whatever, be it the cops or the feds or whoever comes after you, you are just 10 steps ahead of them 
and that all their efforts go to naught. That 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 is definitely a power fantasy because we are all essentially at the mercy of the state if the Iosauron gets put upon you, right? We are the absolute underdog. The individual is the ultimate underdog when you're dealing with these levers of power. So if you get on their shit list, there's almost very little you can do. So this kind of revenge power fantasy is very appealing. You know, even though he ultimately becomes the villain, um, you're with him for a lot of it. And even towards the end, you can still kind of feel him, even though you don't think you, know, you may disagree with his methods like I do, and you disagree that he's even accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. At least he claims to want to accomplish. Uh, it's still, you know, fascinating to kind of think about and consider that, you know, one person could be so dedicated. And it also is kind of a cautionary tale, right? Like, don't go around messing with people because you could run into somebody who has a certain set of skills <laughs> and be careful when you take everything from someone because then they have nothing to lose and they become very, very dangerous. And this guy was combined with his certain set of skills with nothing to lose and a whole lot of time on his hands to plot the ultimate revenge story. And granted, of course, it's a fantasy, uh, but it's still terrifying. Right. And it also is a cautionary tale for the revenge seeker and whether or not you are okay with becoming the villain, becoming the monster in seeking your revenge. What is your revenge worth to you? It's a, uh, it's a really interesting film and it's, it's, uh, it's above its pay grade. You know, I, I, it's above his pedigree. Let me say it, it kind of, it's sold as like a generic kind of uh, action movie thriller mm. kind of thing with Jerry Butler and Jamie Foxx doing whatever kind of like a white house down or whatever, you know, some kind of generic thriller movie. But I think it's a little bit better than those. I think it's, it's, it's pretty damn well made. And even though it's got, it's a little flaws. I could, I could quibble here and there. Uh, I don't think Jerry Butler should have made that phone call at the very end when he realized that Jamie Foxx was in a cell, the, the the jig was up and he should have realized that if he was that smart but overall this is a this is a lot of fun and i'm gonna give it seven and a half exploding cell phones out of ten just a half a cell phone less than dirty j i think it's excellent i don't think it's quite classic uh but it's it's it's, it's a lot of fun definitely worth your time Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see that it's punching above its weight. Like you expect this to be sort of a middle of the road action movie and it's a little bit better than that. So I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree with that. And uh, as I was mentioning earlier, I do like the premise of it. Like he's, he's been wronged and he wants to make a point. He wants to stand on some level of principle or have them confront the possibility that the system itself is the problem or more to put a more of a, a accurate point on it, I guess, like I said earlier, he's not really saying that the system is necessarily bad, but maybe some of the incentives are bad and the people lose their way in it. And I think Nick has a quote where he's talking to uh, the older um, prosecutor guy. And he's like, when I got into this, I was really just thinking about justice and doing good. And now that I'm kind of caught up in this game, it, it, I, I think that rather than me changing the system, the system changed me. And that's what, what his kind of realization is by the end. And if that's all Gerard Butler was trying to do uh, was to get Jamie Foxx to like be a better lawyer, uh, maybe he accomplished that. Um, he did get his revenge on the people who wronged him the most. And then he also became a monster. Granted, he was already a monster doing the bidding of the federal government, apparently. Um, with his uh, ability to murder black <laughs> black bag people and shit like that. So maybe he didn't really have it to become a monster. He already was a monster. But uh, right. It wasn't much of a shift for him. He was like, oh, this is just my normal Tuesday. Don't worry about it. Right. And, and maybe he thought he had given that up after he retired or whatever, if that's what had happened. Um, I, I forget if he had been retired. And that's when he got the, married and had the kid and all of those things. So so maybe he thought this life was behind him. So it's sort of that Liam Neeson taken thing where he's kind of like pulled back in and he's got a certain set of skills, as Robert was saying earlier, uh, to uh, get some revenge and payback and, and try to make some points. Um, I think his points would have been, I don't know, 
better served had he not been uh, as over the top and and killing a lot of innocent or or people who you know they're just caught up in the system as well. Like, I don't I don't know what that was really proving to anybody. I guess there's consequences to your actions, which is one of the points he said he was trying to make, but. But who's really going to see that? They're just going to see crazy person killing people. That's all they're going to see. They're not going to see. They're not going to know this whole story. Like his his entire plan requires everybody to know his exact motives and understand everything from his point of view as to why these people are bad actors. These people that he's killing are justified killings. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to see that. Not even the people getting killed or the the friends of the people getting killed are going to definitely who are really familiar with the story of what happened are going to go. Oh, yeah. Well, he definitely should have killed that person. Right. And and like, how would he know? I mean, I guess he could have kind of known that the judge is going to sign that warrant when she shouldn't have. And so then she gets that immediate like, (laughs) you know, payback for that. But how did he know that she was going to use the phone right then? Well, I guess he called the phone, but to arm it or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. It just didn't make sense. It, that was like a jump scare thing. I think that moment where she just did this bad thing and then pff, immediate, uh, consequence. I mean, unless he had a camera in the room or whatever with a microphone, I, I don't know. It's, he's like basically God in this movie. Right. <laughs> Omnipotent. Yeah. He just knows everything can see everything. Uh, it's, it's well, he a, did have some pretty crazy surveillance equipment that they found down in his tunnel. Right. Yeah, that's true. I did think that the the bond disposal robot with the fifty cal and the freaking RPG was kind of dumb. <laughs> it's like it. That seemed just I don't know, like it was uh, like we're watching Short Circuit or something. Johnny Five out in the cemetery rolling around. <laughs> but you know, aside from that, I think that the the movie was actually pretty good. So I'm going to give it seven. Uh, exploding cell phones so pretty high marks all around for what should have been just kind of a run-of-the-mill action movie what did you guys think of him sending the videotape to the daughter that's a pretty messed up well he didn't send it to her directly right it was to the household or to yeah but he knew that there no because the 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 guy that delivered it said it was what like a uh i forget what he said like the recital dvd right I don't know if the guy said that. I think it was just uh, well, the the little girl assumed that's what it was because they were right. expecting it. Yeah, it was it was set up earlier that that he was gonna not make it to the performance, but order the DVD. But I don't think three hundred knew that was happening. I would hope not. Yeah, hmm. I think he just planned to send it to him, and whoever watched it watched it. Uh, I don't know. It's one of those like I don't think that was the intention of the plan. Uh, I mean, it's that's possible a, that's a though. Toughie. You send you send a video to a household, and if it's not specifically addressed to a certain member of the household, anybody could watch it. I don't know. Yeah. It seemed it seemed kind of messed up to me, but maybe that was just on my first watching. Yeah, he had to have at least assumed that the girl would see it because I mean, that's probably he. I mean, he in order for him to set that up, he had to have known that there was this whole recital. He had to have known that no, oh, daddy's always away at work and can't come to the recitals. You know, it's like, he's been watching these people for the past decade or so. Oh yeah. Yeah. He did. So he might not have intended for the little girl to open it up right away. I mean, his intention might've been like, Oh, okay. Maybe they'll, it's like, like, like say the little girl actually listened to the mother and didn't watch it. You know, mom's was, the mom was like, no, we're going to wait till daddy gets home to watch it. That might've actually been his intention was they are, they're all sitting there as a family and suddenly uh, a chainsaw to this guy's leg. Right just kind of ru- ruined them all as a family instead of just, I think the little girls. I'm, I'm not really clear on what his intent was to even send it to Jamie Foxx at all, though. <laughs> to get like, caught. That's a brag, He could have sent that to the, just the cops. Yeah. He had to yeah send if he was, aiming, if he was aiming to get caught, yeah, but I mean, he, he took every precaution there was not to what? get caught. Even after they saw it, they're like, oh, he's wearing a welding helmet, and we literally still have nothing on this guy. So, I, I'm pretty sure that was what was it after he sent the video? I'm pretty sure that it was after that that the judge was like, "Oh, well, let him go." And then he ruined it by being in contempt of court. I'm pretty sure that happened after the video. Right. Memory. I history. guess sending it to Jamie Foxx's character makes it more personal because he felt betrayed by Jamie Foxx shooting the layup versus going for the you know for the monster jam. Mm, fair enough. 
I mean, we could nitpick, but overall, good movie. Yeah, good choice. Good good selection there, Ben. Thank so, you. Uh, speaking of good selections, we don't have one for next week at this point. Uh, we were going to be doing Sound of Metal with Rocky Ferenberg, uh, but he might be delayed, so that could be a couple of weeks out. And then in two weeks, we're going to be doing Birdcage with James Gentleman of the Blackbird podcast. So uh, next week, we're not sure exactly what we're going to do. Maybe Rocky will uh, become available and we will be doing Sound of Metal. But perhaps, uh, Robert, you and I can just wildcard something and uh, we'll post it on one of our Facebook pages or some shit and people can learn about it that way. But in two weeks, James Gentleman with uh, Birdcage, that would be a lot of fun. For sure. We've had him on before one time. I think it was a great episode. Yeah, that was High Rise, the uh, Tom Hiddleston flick. We had a really good conversation on that one, I think. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. So anyway, uh, Ben, this has been a lot of fun. We'd love to have you back on. Uh, I think we're booked up through September at this point. So uh, sometime in the fall, perhaps. Uh, you could troll us again, come up with something that you think Robert's just going to fucking hate, and uh, we'll do it. Uh, or it could be another one that's a, a bit of a gem, um, like like this one. I think that this one has some merits, and it's worth watching, and and I'm glad that you suggested it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, uh, I'll definitely try to come up with something else uh, for yeah, down the road, I'll just go up to go through y'all's catalog again, make sure you didn't already do it. But that's actually how I selected this one. I'm just like going through every, every episode and I'm like, like, huh? Like that's, that's weird. I could have sworn they did one on law abiding citizen. I'm like, Oh my God, they didn't. Hell, <laughs> that was when I suggested it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I actually did just update um, the listing. So uh, I had been about six weeks behind on that. Cause again, I'm, I'm lazy and, and behind on everything, but uh, yeah. Something in the fall, we will uh, be happy to do with you. Absolutely. All right. So, Robert, uh, any final words for people, things they can do to support what we do here or, or make you happy, make you a happy man? Um, send suntan, baby tan, um, Hawaiian tropic uh, your way, something like that? <laughs> you know, just because I look so good in the tan these days, you don't got to make fun of me, Daniel. It's just, uh, I know you're jelly. Don't Maybe get too jelly. Hula skirt and some coconut brassiere. Maybe just a Hawaiian shirt. I can go full on boogaloo. Booyah. Boog. Uh, yeah, you can support the show by uh, leaving a review. That's a lot of fun. Um, you can leave a like on a YouTube video. You could subscribe to the channel. You can just subscribe and download all the podcasts on all the devices. You can just, just over download it. I don't know if it does it count as another download. If you download it, delete it, download it, delete it, download, delete it. You just keep doing that. Bump up those numbers. Those are rookie numbers. That's how you can, uh, yeah, support the channel. Get out, get out somewhere in the summer. Go have a good time. Get, get outside. Get after some life. Get busy living. Get busy dying. You know, that's 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 what you can do to support the podcast this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week with I don't know what, but it'll it'll probably be pretty a strong performance. That's all I can promise. We'll try our best. Always. It's always our best. And uh, you can uh, find the show notes more for this now best episode at lastnerds.com slash 181. And uh, we'll see you guys all next week for Mystery Movie Day. So we'll see you guys then. And uh, say goodnight from last night, everyone. Peace out.